Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. Today we turn our attention to Acts chapter 5 and notice one of the very eye-opening events that transpires very early in the history of the church. And we're going to be talking about Ananias and Sapphira to begin with. So let's go to Acts chapter 5, looking verses 1 through 6. You know, it's interesting to me that after reading of the godliness and the unity that characterized the early church, we now read of a case of hypocrisy that takes place. The combination of greed and desire for praise at any cost led to their sin. And their sin leads to consequences that we are told struck fear in the hearts of those who heard about it. So, Jacob, you want to go ahead and read verses 1 through 6? Yeah. It says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the proceeds for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias collapsed and died, and great fear came over all who heard about it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. You know, uh, in our last segment, I just got done talking about what great things usually always follow for Israel when they come together with one heart and one soul as one man. And, uh, of course, these were good times for the church in these days. They were they had all things in common with one another. They had favor with God and men. I mean, the church was really looking good. And you might say that chapter 5 represents a change in tactics by by the devil. Because what he has attempted to accomplish by outside uh, persecution and threats of violence and was just uh, woefully inadequate and uh, unaccomplished, uh, he now turns to uh, an internal uh, temptation. Uh, in fact, that of the heart. Verse 3 says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? So he now changes tactic here and tempts and tries to destroy the church and its progress um, by going after its members and the, and, and the temptations of the heart. In this case, the lust of the eye. We have the situation here where you've got Ananias and Sapphira. And I think it, it serves as a warning to all people concerning God's attitude about hypocrisy. Uh, Ananias was a rather common name among the Jews. The name means Jehovah has been gracious. His wife's name was Sapphira, a name that means beautiful or jewel. 
Together they sold a piece of their property and did not bring all of the proceeds of the sale to the apostles. Ananias kept back a part for himself. The words of Peter in verse 4 make it clear that Ananias wasn't required either to sell his property or to give all the proceeds of the sale to the distribution to needy saints. I mean, he could have kept all of it and it would have been fine. The obvious problem was that Ananias claimed he was giving all of the proceeds to be distributed when he was not. His sin, therefore, was lying. His sin was hypocrisy. And Sapphira, as we will see, was in on the scheme. They did not want to give all the proceeds from the sale, but it is obvious that they wanted the prestige and praise that that kind of generosity would bring. They would be pretending to be more generous than they really were. And there was absolutely no compulsion to sell in the first place. They didn't have to sell what was theirs. They could have kept it. So they show hypocrisy in its worst form. Yeah, and to the, the who they're lying to. I mean, they're lying. Uh, verse 3 talked about um, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Um, and obviously the Holy Spirit is is also part of God. Um, and, and to verse 4, when it's at the end, when it's you have not lied to men, but to God. Um, the, the severity of, of what they have done, who this is to, um, and the the full the full knowledge that they both had of what they were doing, um, and I, I think to the beginning of verse four was two is there was there was no excuse for for acting and what they did. This was something that was intentional, conceived this deed in in uh, your heart, talking to Ananias, um, and this was a a, a grave act um, against God. No, um, one of the big ways to get in trouble is when we start trying to compare ourselves with one another or we become envious of one another and some good that may have come to them. Uh, Because note that this man, Joses, uh, from 4 verse 36, uh, whom we know better as Barnabas, he received that name by the apostles. And I just wonder about Ananias and Sapphira and how they, they may have heard all that was said and all of the praise that was afforded to Joses. They've even changed his name. Did you hear the name they gave him? And this, this perhaps was, uh, was, became a source of temptation for them. I think of Saul and David. You know, David sl- slain his ten thousands while Saul slayed thousands. A great praise afforded to Saul likewise, but he just could not handle the fact that David received greater praise. And so, again, we're tested and tempted sometimes by the by the desire to compare ourselves with other people when instead we should just be rejoicing with others. That if one rejoices, that we should all rejoice with them. Peter's comments to Ananias shows that his deceit was the direct result of Satan's influence on his heart. Again, that does not in any way relieve Ananias of responsibility for his hypocrisy. Peter's question clearly shows that Ananias was responsible for allowing Satan to influence him in that way. He had lied to the Holy Spirit. He had lied to God clearly 
the Holy Spirit had revealed the deception to Peter. The point was there was no excuse for Ananias's lie, even giving him the benefit of the doubt. If it had been required for him to sell his land and give all the proceeds to the general treasury, then it would at least have been understandable that a greedy man may falsely claim to have done so. But it wasn't required. He didn't have to sell it, and even after he did, he didn't have to give any of the money away. His lie had not been merely an attempt to deceive man. It was, as all sins are, first and foremost against God. And he went ahead and did it anyhow, and his wife was part of the plan. You know, when we begin... I mean, I think of this phrase, testing the, the spirit, or, or to lie to the Holy Spirit. Anyone who's ever had children knows what it's like to have a three-year-old lie to them. <laughs> it's uh, usually not that very difficult to determine uh, that your three-year-old is lying to you. And yet, uh, we just need to be aware of the fact that all sin is like that with God. We're not getting away with anything. We're not clever. We're not wise. We're not crafty. When it comes to sinning against God or trying to deceive God with what's in our heart, you just can't get away with that. You know, David says in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thought from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. There's not a word on my tongue. Oh, Lord, you know it. You know, this, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. And yet, if your heart is not right with God, then this is not a wonderful knowledge. This is a terror to know that God knows your thoughts. He knows the motive behind your words. He knows the reason your feet have chosen that path. And so we just want to encourage you to live in such a way that you are, uh, you are upheld and comforted by the fact that God knows you from the inside out. I wonder about the impression that was made on those who were there at the time. Because when Peter finished speaking, Ananias dropped dead. He expired. He breathed his last. The sudden death of Ananias was an act of God that produced the effect for which it was undoubtedly designed, fear. People were impressed with the fact that it is impossible to hide one's sins from God, and in this action they were made keenly aware of the gravity of sinning against God. God does not now, nor did he then, immediately and strike those down in his church who sin against him. But this clearly shows the seriousness of sin. And then young men came and wrapped the body of Ananias and took him out for burial. You know, anyone who's living in such a way that they expect a deathbed confession where they just kind of slip into heaven after getting to live however they wanted to should take note of the of the fall of Ananias. There's no, uh, there's no opportunity given here for him to confess and, and get right with the Lord. His time came, uh, just as Jesus said he would for some people. He will come, or, or the day of his death would come when you do not expect. So we need to be vigilant and always, always ready. Yeah, no, I, I th 
to to that point, I think it's um, <clears throat> Ananias. I think when him and Sapphira came up to with this idea and the knowledge of what they were doing, had no idea or, or thought in their mind of th- how this was going to this how it was going to end up, um, and how Ananias could have, you know thought he was going to get away with it, um, whatever the case may be, um, and he and he didn't. This was 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 pointed out, and so it's important to again as was said, if we're thinking we're going to get get a get out um, without punishment of sin or whatever it may be that's not going to be the case and um, you can fool men to an extent but you can't fool god and he he knows let's go ahead and look at what else happens at this time looking at verses 7 through 11 of acts chapter 5 ross are you there sure now it was about three hours later when his wife came in not knowing what had happened and peter answered her tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church, and upon all who heard these things. You know, we were talking earlier, it's kind of interesting that very early in the history of the Christian age, we find this, these two individuals dying. Very early in the Jewish age, we find Nadab and Abihu very early dying. And in the patriarchal age, we see the events transpired between Cain and Abel and the consequences as far as Cain was concerned. It's almost as though God, very early in each dispensation of time, makes a point that this is a serious matter and not something that you want to take lightly. And I don't know, it just seems to me that that makes that point. Anyhow, about three hours after Ananias, Sapphira comes in. She's unaware of what had happened to her husband. She's part of the conspiracy. And when Peter asked her if they had sold their land for the amount that Ananias had said, She said yes, and that was not true. Ananias and Sapphira had engaged in an act that served as a test of the Spirit's ability to detect deceit. I don't think Peter was saying that that was the aim of their deceit, but that was the effect of their deceit. Having conspired with Ananias to lie, Sapphira shared in the guilt and was now sharing in the punishment. Yeah, I think it's interesting that um, she she gets a chance to tell the truth um, of of when Peter asked what to tell whether you sold land for this price. She could have said no, we actually sold it for this price and kept some of the proceeds and and actually told the the truth. But um, not that it would have changed the outcome necessarily. But she she doubled down on on the lie um, and the. I mean, the reaction, I mean, it's pretty scary words to read. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out as well. 
Um, and of course, she doesn't get too long to dwell on those words. Um, but just, just an amazing story. And as Greg pointed out, the severity of sin. Um, and it's something that isn't. It's it's still a sin is still a very serious uh, problem, just as it is here, and something to absolutely stay away from. There is no um, sin that can put you ahead in any way on earth, or just any sin in general that is worth. Um, losing your soul over. Yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting point. We we really don't know how this story would have ended if Sapphira had had confessed the sin. I mean, I mean, there's plenty of stories in the Old Testament where uh, where it looks like things have turned around for people because they confessed their sin and, and grace was given, like David, whose sin was put away because of his confession. <clears throat> One of the things I would ask when we consider this story would be, who is who is the victim, really, of this crime, though? Uh, I mean, these people lost their lives, and and for what? I mean, we, uh, we probably have a list in our own minds about who are they that are worthy of dying uh, because of sins that they commit. We probably think of murderers and rapists and just really awful sins like that, but... Keep in mind, this, this, here are two people who lost their lives because they lied. That should just really force us to have a paradigm shift in our thinking about sin and justice and, and the weight of sin and how fearful we should be of sinning because there, this wasn't even a lie about someone else. I can think of lies in the Old Testament that probably should have merited death. I think of the lies of those who gave false testimony concerning Naboth when Ahab stole his vineyard. They testified that he blasphemed God when he didn't. There's a lie that probably would be worthy of death. These people lied so that they could make themselves look a little bit better. And, you know, as much as we might think that's a trivial, pretty common kind of thing to do, God is showing us that even a lie is worthy of death. Like, like Revelation 21 verse 8, all liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire. So let us not think of trivial sins or little white lies as though, as though there's, some, there's some justification for doing good that come, may come from a lie. Uh, all of that talk is, is of the devil. Yeah, to the reaction of the, the those that didn't do what Ananias and Sapphira did, of the, the church, um, the great fear that they had, I think that's a, a lesson to, to learn for us as well. Is, you know, when we hear of sin be, being done, um, and whatever it may be in the past, and, and to learn from people's examples, learn from people's stories. Uh, some of the most powerful stories I've heard outside of the scriptures are, are people talking of, I chased after this sin. I engaged in this lifestyle, and I'm telling you, it, w- it wasn't worth it. It's not better than what I have now being a Christian. Um, and, you know, I think if Ananias and Sapphira were able to say, well, was it worth it? No, no it wasn't worth it to, to do this. And, and the fear of learning, okay, per- I mean, perhaps there was some of the church thinking, maybe I'll try that too. Maybe that was a temptation for them. And then it's, well, if, if that's the result, I'm probably going to stay away from that. Just to, to heed the, the examples 
of sin, whether it's people we know in sin that they may have committed, that obviously we want to be there for them, but also to learn, I shouldn't, that even more so to learn not to be a part of that. Or for people um, you see out um, on, on the news or whatever and what the consequences of sin in that way, um, just to, to stay away from sin and learn um, from, from others' mistakes um, as well as our own. The Lord's Church and, and all others who heard of this incident were, as you mentioned, caused to fear. They became keenly aware, and this so clearly makes the point, that no sin can be hidden from God. By bringing this immediate punishment upon these two for their act of hypocrisy, God, I think, clearly demonstrated that Christianity is no game. It is serious business, and God is not to be mocked. You know, one thing that wasn't being said about uh, the church in these days was, well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites there, because the people were made to respect at least that the church was a place where they took sin seriously, and there were consequences for sin, and you better not be hypocritical about your claim. And I uh, just want to remind you that John's phrase that perfect love casts out fear should not be taken out of context. And we need to understand that our relationship with God is not to be one where we live in fear that he's, you know, at any moment ready to strike us. However, concerning sin, we ought to never lose that fear. You know, in 1 Timothy 5.20, Paul says, uh, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. So we never want to lose this uh, healthy sense of fear for the, the terrible nature of sin and, and the consequences that it will bring. And while you might think that uh, there's no way the church is going to continue to grow when, when people are hearing about uh, this kind of thing happening, who would want to ha have any part with a church where a god would strike down its uh, its members for sinning. And yet, uh, that is not what we find. In verse 14, it says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. So mark that down, that when the church uh, uh, takes sin seriously and really strives for holy conduct and not, not being hypocrites, yeah, but about doing the word of the Lord, that is a good thing for the for the ministry and for the work of the Lord. That's going to have to do it for this particular episode. We appreciate each and every one of you who listens and encourage you to tell your friends about that you may grow thereby. You can get in contact with us by going to the website www.nkcofc.com. And just let us know what you need, ask any questions you might have. You can find out there the time of services and so forth. We'd love to have you come and visit with us. And we'll look forward to seeing you and look forward to speaking to you again the next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>